moment, I'm going to show you a, a face, a smiley face on the screen with a feeling. The one who has open eyes, you're going to see that feeling and you're going to imitate it to your partner. So it's important the partner closes their eyes so they don't see the feeling on the screen. Okay, ready? So all of you who close your eyes, please close your eyes now. And Matthew, give me a feeling. All right, you see it? Open your, Matthew, wait. Get it away. Quick, thank you. Open your eyes. And now with your partner, do that face. See if they can get what face with that. Okay, cool. Ready again? Opposite. The one who had open eyes. Now please close your eyes. Ready with me? Please close your eyes. Matthew, give me a feeling. And go, let it go again. Okay, open your eyes. See if you can imitate that one. You're getting it now, right? Let's do one more. The first one who closed their eyes, close again. Please close your eyes, Matthew. Give me a feeling. And thank you. Let it go again. You can open your eyes. Okay, last one. The opposite, close your eyes. The other one, close your eyes. Okay, Matthew, give me a feeling. All right, thank you. You can take it away. Okay, see if you can... Good, thank you, everyone. See, our face tells a lot about us. I'm sure you all try to, you're putting on a big smile and the inside, you're just not feeling well, the face will tell. There's just something in the small wrinkles that will still tell the secret. This person is not really doing well because her face has a lot of expressions. Or have you tried that when you see someone from the back and you shout their name, you tap them on the shoulder, they turn around and you realize, oh, this is a complete stranger. Have you ever tried that one? Because only when you see the face do you really see the person. The face tells about, tells about personality, how we're feeling, what we're all about. And this series has been setting us up for a face-to-face -face encounter with God. Now I'm wondering, what does the face of God look like? And is it even possible for man to see the face of God? I want you to ponder that while we go a little bit back. Let's do a recap on our story, because our series has been centered around the tabernacle of Moses. The Israelites had been slaves in Egypt for 40 years, and God supernaturally freed them from slavery. Now they were walking in the wilderness, living in tents, walking from place to place. Can I have the first picture? There is Moses. And at some point in the wilderness, God called Moses the leader to say, I want you to build me a meeting place. I want you to build a tabernacle. Tabernacle means dwelling place. Because God wanted to tabernacle. God wanted to dwell, to be among his people. And that has always been God's desire, to be close to his creation. God wants to be close to you and me, and he paid a very high price so that he could be with us. So this tabernacle was meant to was a tent-like structure so it could be easily packed down 
and carried as they wandered around in the wilderness from place to place, they would carry God's special meeting place with them. And the actual tabernacle, well done, Jethro. I'm just going to follow in your footsteps on that one. We had the outer court, if we have the outer court, which was where people would bring their animal sacrifices. There was lots of noise, lots of smell. You can imagine dead animals, animals screaming for their lives as people. It was a place of lots of activity and with two pieces of furniture. As they moved, in the courtyard was a tent-like structure. It had two rooms separated by a veil. We have the first room, the holy place, where only priests were allowed to perform the priestly duties. They would make sure there was fresh bread on the table of showbread. They would clean the lamps and make sure the oil was on so the lamps would be burning day and night and night and day. And they would burn altar, sorry, incense on the altar. In the holy place, in the holy of holies, only the high priest was allowed to enter and only once a year. Because God in all his glory, was found in the Holy of Holies. Actually, the very presence of God dwelled in that place. Come on. Oh, okay, bring it up. It was a, a wooden box overlaid with gold. And it was called the Ark of the Covenant. And this piece, maybe can we remove the flowers? This piece of furniture was holy. No one could touch it. I've instructed Shem and Chris, do not touch this one. Because if anyone touches this one, guess what would happen? They would die. So when they packed down the tabernacle, they would put the poles inside the rings so that they could carry it holding the poles and not touching this very special Ark of the Covenant. You see, God was and God is a holy God. And sinful man, all the things we do wrong, means that we cannot enter into the Holy of Holies. If sinful man entered into this room, he would be struck dead. Because God clearly told Moses, no man can see God and live. But I want you to remember, this is long before Jesus died on the cross and forever forgave our sins. We're going to come back to that. This was before that time. Before Jesus died, man was separated from God. None of us could come near to our holy, holy God. So the holy place, the holy of holies, was completely holy and sacred. And it represents the deepest and most intimate place of our worship. When we say we go into the Holy of Holies, it means we come in to meet with God himself. We get close to God. And I tell you, that's a place all of us want to be to, to be in. That's a place we should desire with all our hearts because there is no greater place to be. On top of the lid, I'm not touching it. But on top of the lid, there were two angels. They were called cherubims. And they had their wings stretched out towards another. And in the middle, where the wings were stretching out, this was called, as Jethro just said rightly, the mercy seat. So there was one piece 
for two places. And the mercy seat, the entire tabernacle is a picture of heaven and what it looks like in heaven. That's why it's interesting. Sometimes we can think that's an old thing to go through, but it actually speaks of what heaven looks like. And the mercy seat speaks of God's throne in heaven. That's why it's so holy. God's very throne in heaven where angels day and night worship God. Maybe you have noticed, what is that cloud about? Did you see that one? Because on top of the mercy seat, without touching it, God's glory, God's very own glory was seen in a bright, shining light. Also called the Shekinah glory. And Shekinah is not a word we have in the Bible. But Shekinah means the mysterious presence of God. And there is something very mysterious and also glorious about God's presence. It's a light that shines up all our lives. It lights up our soul. It lights up our spirit. It gives us hope. The light of the very presence of God. And like the glory clouds, with the presence of God, you can't really hold it. You can't really touch it. But at the same time, it is just both glorious and mysterious. And it is very intense. Have you felt the presence of God? If you really come into the presence, it gives you that it's just a weight in the atmosphere, a heavy weight. Or maybe, kids, we can describe it as a big cloud of love that just comes upon you. And it is absolutely beautiful. Being in the presence of God, in the Shekinah glory, it is something we should all long for with all our hearts. Now, the problem is, no one was allowed to enter. Only the high priest, and only one time a year, it's like Christmas. Christmas is only one time a year. How many would love Christmas to be a bit more often? Yes, please. Eh? It's the same here. Christmas only once a year. Only once a year could one person, imagine that, all of you, let's go into the presence of God. Oh, no, this Christmas is going to be you, Dorcas. Ines, you better wait 30 years till it's your turn. Wow. That's how often you could meet with God. Only the high priest, the bishop of bishops. So he had to prepare himself. He had to wash himself, put on special clothing, burn incense. And one very important thing, he would have to bring blood. I know we've got doctors in the house. This is a safe one. He had to bring blood from the animals. And he would take, dip his finger in the blood and he would sprinkle it on the mercy seat to Three, four, five, six, and seven times would he sprinkle blood on the altar. He had to show great respect for the presence of God. You see, God, he is our king. And when you enter the room of a king, you have to show respect. Could you imagine Mr. Edgar Lungo came in here? Mr. President, oh, just a second. Oh, I just have a message. Just give me a... President, I'm, I'm coming, I'm coming. It's just this one phone call. Oh, let me just tell me, hang out with my friend. Do you do that in front of a president? No. Do you do that in front of a king? No. In front of a king, you show respect. 
And I tell you, God is the King of Kings. And when we come into His presence, when we realize, that's when we realize God is so, so holy. God is so great. God is so awesome. And we show our respect. We bow down to Him. When we see the presence of God, when we encounter the presence of God, the only response is worship. Is to say, holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. Maybe you've never been in that place. I want to invite you today to come in that place where you feel the tangible presence of God and you cry out. You show him respect and say, holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. Noah, can you come up here and help me? See, when the priest sprinkled blood on the mercy seat, it was too for the forgiveness of his own sins and the sins of the people. And as the blood would cover the mercy seat, God would look down from heaven, and as he saw the blood, it would cover the sins of the people. That was the meaning of the blood. But if we go back to the face of God, I've got Noah with me because I can get close to him. He's my child. See, if I want to see Noah's face, it is hard to me to see him from a distance. Only as I get closer can I start to see, oh, I can see something in his eyes. And now as I'm getting close, I can see his face, right? See, the Bible, when the Bible talks about face, is often the same word as presence. How come? Because when I get close to his face, I am in his presence. This is actually uncomfortable if we didn't know one another. You don't get this close. But that's what God is talking about. If you want to see my face, you need to come into my presence. You need to get close to me. Thank you. Well done. But in Moses' tabernacle, man couldn't do that. Man could not see God man was separated. See, they knew about him. They were taught about him. They brought him sacrifices, but they couldn't get close to him. Can you imagine that? We're so privileged. We live in a different time, and at that time, the one they worshipped, they couldn't behold him. They couldn't get close to him. And the problem was that though the blood was sprinkled, it would cover the sins, but it would never take them away. That's why they had to repeat the sacrifices year after year because again and again they sinned and they had to cover because the blood of animals cannot forgive sins. A better sacrifice was needed. A perfect sacrifice was needed if we were ever to come near to God. Do you think God had a plan? Do you think God had a plan? Kids. Could you come and join me? We want to do a praise song together that talks about that plan, that talks about what happened on that glorious day when things were changing. So children, you can come up here now, and adults, or the rest of you, and children, just if you know the song, you're welcome to worship with mom and dad. But if you know the song, come up here and show us the actions. And please stand to your feet. It's called Happy Day. You washed my sin away, and then we all washed the car. When we said, sing it out, Jesus is alive. I want you to pretend you're telling a secret to someone. Jesus is alive. And then it says, what? He's alive. And I want you with all your heart and all your... Say, wow, he's alive. Are you ready for that? I know the kids are ready.
What a glorious day that was. Something dramatically changed. You see, because this room was holy and sacred, and people would die by entering, God had to put up a veil. Brother Shem. <laughs> God had to put up a, a thick veil that would separate the holy place from the most holy place. And uh, cheer for our strong men here. Yeah. It was a very thick veil, not easy to move around, with beautiful embroidered cherubims on top. Let's see if we can get that veil off. Now you see the holy place, the holy of holies, was completely separated. People could only, the priest could only look at this veil. I think, I wonder what's on the inside. I know that God himself, he lives in there, but I can't enter. I can only look at it. I know my creator. I know he created me, but I can't see him. I can bring my sacrifices, but I can never see the one who receives my sacrifices. What a situation that our beautiful, loving God, we, they couldn't draw near to him. They were completely separated. So a better sacrifice was needed. The blood of animals could not deal with our sinful hearts. So Jesus needed to come as our high priest, as the bishop of bishops. But not only that, he was the son of God. He was the sinless lamb of God. And because of that, he and only him could be that perfect sacrifice. And you know, his blood is different. His blood is powerful because the blood of Jesus, it does not just cover. It says, I am completely forgiving you. Your sins as far as the east is from the west. They will never come back. I am going to clean your hearts. And with a clean heart, you can come into my presence. Never again do you need to offer sacrifices. My blood has done it. And we are free because of what he did. Our hearts are clean. What a sacrifice he gave. And when Jesus died on the cross, children, do you remember the story? What was the last word of Jesus? What did he say? It is finished. Something happened to this veil in that moment. Because that veil was still there. It was now in the temple, which came after the tabernacle. But same principle, it was covering into the Holy of Holies. No one had ever been behind this veil. Only the high priest. So in the moment, Jesus on Golgotha shouted out, It is finished. Something happened in the holy place. The veil was torn apart from top to bottom. It was a supernatural act. No man could have done it. It was from top to bottom. It was God saying, the perfect sacrifice is here. And I'm saying, come. Come, my children. Run into my presence. You can now see me. You can now draw near to me. I have prepared a way. Oh, what Jesus did for us. What Jesus did for us, 
I can now come near. I can now behold the face of my father because I am his child. My heart is clean. I'm not dealing with my sin anymore. Jesus has taken it away and I am free and I can enter. Thank you so much. The Bible says, For God has made this light shine in our hearts that we will know the glory seen in the face of Jesus Christ. God has made the light, the light that is now Jesus, shine in our hearts that we can see the glory. It is no longer behind a curtain. We can see the glory of God seen in the face of who? Jesus. One of the disciples came to Jesus, Philip, and said, Jesus, show us the Father. And Jesus said, Philip, have you not realized when you have seen me, you have seen my Father. And Jesus says, I died for you so you can now come and see the face of my Father. I don't need to be afraid anymore. No one is going to be struck dead in the presence of God. Something in us always dies. That's what we've been talking about. It's the refining process. And there are things that are going to be laid, laid down and burned away. But I can come with confidence because God has dealt with my heart. And I can come into the very presence of God. The tabernacle was only a temporary plan. I think God actually made this to show us. I want to show my people that I am really a holy God. I am a king of kings. You don't mess around with me. You show respect. I am holy. And without a better sacrifice, you are doomed. He wanted to show us our desperate need for Jesus. He wanted to show us that without a savior, without that perfect lamb, you are not going to live in total freedom. So he had a plan from the beginning. He just wanted to show us in the meantime, until Jesus came, there are different rules. But don't live there anymore. I still hear people say, oh, you can't see God and live. Hey, that was that time. God says now, I have prepared a way to the Father. So he wants us to come and to run. And as a church, children and adults, we want to run into the presence of God. We want to be thankful for that. We don't want to take it for granted. We want to go into the Holy of Holies every time we draw near to Him. And it's actually a lifestyle. It's not something that just happens on Sunday morning. We live and we carry His presence wherever we go. That's the thing. The more you behold Him, the more you draw near, it reflects on you. Children, adults, it's like we draw Jesus in and now we start to shine Him as well. That's why we draw near so that we can take Him to the rest of the world. That's how Jesus shines in our world today.